Okay, today I'm super excited to be talking to Sacred Steve. Hello, Steve. Hello, how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Good. So I've known of your work for a very long time, but we've never actually spoken before, so I'm really happy to connect with you. Um, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself, how long you've been doing raw food, how you got into it? Um, I first got into raw foods in 1993. Um, I got into it through uh, Tony Robbins or Anthony Robbins. He's a famous uh, American motivational speaker and author. Uh -huh. and, um, and so that's how I got into raw foods. Amazing. That was, I think that was the year I got into it as well, 93. Cool. <laughs> it's changed a lot, hasn't it, since then? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes and no. I, you know, I think it's um, definitely... Um, I think the, the uh, gourmet cuisine is the big thing that's sort of evolved over the last 20 years. Uh -huh. You know, a lot more raw food chefs out there, and they're teaching uh, fancy raw food cuisine. Uh -huh. So I think that's, I think that's really um, a nice thing to see. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So um, you work closely with David, David Wolf. How did you meet him? Uh, you know, I actually met him at a raw food potluck. Yeah, way a long time ago, probably, I think it was 1996, uh -huh. and um, I think he was, uh, he and his buddies were putting on a little raw food potluck, and I attended, and that's how we met, and we became friends from that point forward. Uh -huh. And so when he um, discovered your chocolate, which was in 2003, was it? 2000, yeah, 2003, is that right? You know, he actually he actually discovered raw cacao. I think a little before that, uh -huh. but um, I, he he published his book called Naked Chocolate along with Shazzy uh -huh. um, in two thousand four. No, was it two thousand and four? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. And so that's, that's yeah. So the whole raw chocolate um, movement. It has been uh, going now for about 10 years strong. Uh-huh. So you were right there at the beginning. Were you having the raw chocolate right there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He, uh, David used to send me raw cacao beans, and um, I used to throw them in my smoothies and stuff. And, and I didn't really like the taste of them too much. Just eating them plain and raw was... Um, I just wasn't used to it, I guess. They were a little too bitter for me at first. Uh -huh. and So I would put them in smoothies and things like that. And then um, I went to one of his big raw chocolate parties in New York City, which was a lot of fun. And I kind of caught the raw chocolate craze at that <laughs> point. And um, it was amazing. And, and then he came out, I think, just about the same time with his book, Naked Chocolate. And uh, that inspired me to figure out you know, how to make raw chocolate. Uh-huh. So it was 2004 when you thought you wanted to make a business out of it? Well, I don't know if I thought about, I think, I think about 2005 is when I was really thinking about making a business out of it. Um, 2004, I was just still, you know, checking it out, so to speak. Uh-huh. So I haven't said this, maybe people listening aren't aware, but you, you're the head of sacred chocolate which is most people me included would say is probably the best raw chocolate in the world <laughs> um well so, thank you well would you want to tell us a bit about how it's made and um what your special do you know one thing i really want to ask you sorry 
is um, uh, I read or heard that I love the book, and I know that you love the book as well, the Love Without End book, the um, Glenda Green book, and I always tell people about that book. But I heard that you play an audio version of that book to the chocolate. Is that true? No, I, I don't play the audio version of that book to the chocolate. Um, I just personally pray over the chocolate. Uh-huh. But uh, my inspiration for Sacred Chocolate came from that book, actually, uh-huh. uh, because that book uh, really spoke to me, and I really studied that book uh, for many years, and um, you know, that book just kind of taught me to live in my heart and follow my heart, and um, that's what I did. Um, you know, starting in, I guess, 1999 when I, or 98 or 99 when I first discovered the book. Oh. And then. If, uh, sorry, if people don't know, could you just tell us a little bit of what that book's about? Well, yeah, the title of the book is called Love Without End Jesus Speaks. And it's, it's a book um, written by a woman by the name of Glenda Green. And uh, she uh, is a very famous artist uh, in the United States. She has pieces in museums and she's um no and she taught art at the university level and she uh also um was just an expert um portraitist so that was her specialty was you know painting portraits of people and um and she had a successful commercial career uh besides teaching and then what happened was in um i think it was 1989 christmas of 89 um, her house burned down, and it burned all her artwork and everything. And um, and then afterwards, uh, she tried to get her career going again in art, but just didn't seem to fit for some reason. And But right at the time of that fire, she had this, or her husband at the time, had this mystical dream that she was supposed to paint this amazing portrait of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, but she, she didn't really believe in it. She thought it was silly, and she thought that um, it was just because it was Christmas time and the fire and all that, and she just didn't pay attention to it. But after a couple of years, um, and after she kind of let go of her commercial art career, um, her husband at the time kind of nudged her to, to look into that again. And so one thing led to another, and a lot of different kind of miraculous, mystical events finally led to um, somehow Jesus materializing before her so she could paint a portrait of him. And that painting is called The Lamb and the Lion. It became a world-famous painting. It's now hanging up in a church, I believe, somewhere in Texas in the United mm-hmm. States. And it's just open 24-7 from what I hear. Anybody can go visit right. it and stuff like that. But during, during that painting of the portrait, she had a whole bunch of conversations over a few months with Jesus and she was able to take notes so she took all these notes and then finally um, a few years after that after the painting was you know um, shown and talked about and finally um, given a home um, somehow Jesus or I like to refer to him as Yeshua Yeshua is his Aramaic name he somehow communicated with her again um, and said, hey, why don't you just share the information I shared with you? And so she decided to do that. She, she did uh, 14 lectures called Conversations with Jesus. 
And um, those became very, very famous. That was done in 1996. Okay. And I, I think that I think that's what you're referring to when you you talk about yeah. the audio book. Yeah. It, it's not really it's not really an audio book if that's what you're referring to. Those 14 lectures called Conversations with, with Jesus. It, okay. What it is, it's actually her uh, live speaking about her experience in front of a live audience. Uh-huh. And yeah. and um, so I, I I came across this information and. In uh, around 1999, um, the book and the 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 lectures, and um, I was just deeply, deeply moved by it. It just stopped me in my tracks. I was always kind of an information seeker and truth seeker, but after I came across this information, it kind of the first thing that caught me was like, you don't need to know in order to love. And I was always trying to know more in order to love more better. And so I thought, wow, this is this is new. And, but it made sense and, you know, it kind of taught me about the sacred heart and living from that space instead of living in your head all the time. And it just, it just really made a lot of sense to me. And so, um, you know, I, I really just got into the information. I mean, you could call it channeled information, but Glenda Green's not really a channeler. She's first and foremost just an artist and she's never claimed to be a channeler. Uh-huh. It was just somehow Jesus somehow communicated to her in some sort of mystical way. Um, and so, and then she wrote a sequel to the book called The Keys of Yeshua, which is also an amazing book. Um, and so, yeah, and then she, um, she actually now, um, conducts, uh, these, a lot of online seminars and workshops. She does a few live seminars where she teaches people how to give blessings. Yeshua, a few years ago, taught her how to give um, a blessing, a whole protocol, I guess the same way he taught the disciples, of, you know, a long yeah. time ago. And so he, she's been teaching that. And now she has free weekly calls. Anybody in the world can call right. in um, every Sunday and just receive this blessing. Um, that you can. It's usually an hour-long phone call, and you can um, just listen to what Glenda has to say. There's usually a Q&A period, and then there's like this whole blessing that takes place. And that's been going on for the last couple of years. So yeah. that's just a free. You, if you could, if you want to sign up for that little notification to get on the blessing call on Sunday, you can go to her website, which is lovewithoutend.com, uh-huh. and um, sign up that way. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, and so I know Glenda personally. She's she's just an amazing woman, and uh, I can't speak more highly of her. Yeah, amazing. And that was the inspiration behind Sacred Chocolate. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, I, I, you know, well, I've been into raw foods for many years, but um, also just kind of following my heart and and listening to my heart and knowing that at the time I was in the computer business and kind of burnt out on the computer business and I wanted to do something, um, you know, more associated with raw foods and more associated with kind of the heart energy. And so, and that's why, you know, the our heart bars are, are actually in the shape of a heart. Those are all... I designed that shape. It's all sacred geometry, mm. and the curve—the curves are all um, built out of perfect golden spirals at every single wow, cross section. And the that. normal to all those curves are all perfect ellipses, and mm. so the, the bar is all built out of all this sacred geometry, and it's all an inspiration. It actually came to me in a dream, and um, and so then I yeah, so I built that that chocolate heart, um, you know, that heart shape based on again living in the sacred heart, and you know basically delivering that message to anybody who, you know, sees the heart or eats the heart just to, you know, somehow hopefully tell them to live in their heart and um, come from their heart. Yeah. 
So when did you start making the chocolates, the hearts? Uh, we started making them in 2006. Uh-huh. And has it grown massively since then? Um, I wouldn't say it's grown massively. Um, I would say that it's actually grown slowly. Uh-huh. But it's growing. Yeah. <laughs> and you ship them all over the world. Yeah, we do. We ship them all over the world. Um, you know, we we uh, ship a fair amount of our chocolate to the UK, of course, um, to Canada and to Australia. I mean, the bulk of our sales is in the United States, but um, those three countries tend to purchase quite a bit of chocolate from us. Do they go all the way to Australia? Do they keep okay? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. We sell a lot of sacred chocolate to Australia, actually. Yeah. Wow. So can you tell us a little bit about how you make it? Do you have stone grinders? or? Yeah, we have uh, stone grinders. And so um, basically um, one thing that's unique to sacred chocolate is that, um, you know, we include the skin or the husk of the cacao bean uh -huh. uh, in the chocolate. Um, that takes a long process to do with stone grinders, but we do it because... There's a lot of nutrients um, in that skin or husk of, of the cacao bean, kind of like the skin or husk of, say, a sesame seed has. Uh -huh. You know, the sesame seed has most the the calcium is mostly in the in the actual husk of the seed, um, and likewise, just with anything, you know, say the skin of a cucumber has a lot of phytonutrients, yeah. as does the skin of an orange or the skin of anything, really. Um, a lot of phytonutrients and vitamins and minerals are concentrated in that husk or skin or rind. And so David Wolf had an interesting experience uh, when we were first getting started with Sacred Chocolate. He had spoken with a woman who's a, a famous channeler, actually, of a lot of different entities. Um, her name is Laurel Steinheis, and... And she's been doing this for decades and decades and decades. And she, he had talked to her on the phone and asked out of the blue, you know, what was up with this sacred chocolate project with me, Steve Adler. And some entity came through Laurel Steinheis and said, oh, cacao, there's, there's a, a compound in the skin or husk of the cacao bean that helps promote stem cell growth in humans. Uh -huh. And so David was very curious about that. He said, oh, wow, that's that's amazing. You know, well, how do you get to that? And so um, the entity just said, I think you already know how. And then he just left it at that. <laughs> but when David told me that, it inspired me to always include the skin or the husk of the cacao bean in all sacred chocolate, which we do, um, except for two recipes, and we only do that for because of flavor profile uh, situations. But um, but the vast majority of all our formulas um, all include the skin or husk of the cacao bean in the chocolate. So that's um, it's one thing we do. That's that I don't think I even to this day I'm not seeing one other chocolate maker in the entire world, raw or not, do that. Yeah. I think we're the only I think we're the only ones in the world who actually do that currently. So did it take a lot of work, a lot of time in the first place to develop the recipes? Um, some yes, some no. You know, some took a lot, a long time to, to develop. Uh, some were just kind of, you know, divine inspirations that were just sort of downloaded on the spot. So, you know, yes and no on that one. But presumably most people don't use the whole bean because it must be more bitter, isn't it, the skin? So you must have had to be quite clever to make it taste good. 
Yeah, the skin is bitter, um, and it also um, takes extra time to, to get that ground mm -hmm. down, um, you know, into the chocolate. Um, and, of course, you have to use very, very clean beans. You can't just use any old cacao bean. Most cacao beans, the skin of the husk is, is kind of filthy, actually. Mm -hmm. And so, basically, um, what the chocolate industry does is they window away those skin or husks and they and they sell them to um, chicken farms okay. and the chicken farm and the chick the chickens eat the husks you know for <laughs> nutrition actually or they sell the husks to uh, fertilizer companies and they use the husks as uh, fertilizer uh -huh. so you know there's a lot of value in that husk but the problem is in the traditional cacao growing harvesting fermenting industry um, that husk gets very very contaminated, filthy, just contaminated not only with dirt but pathogens. And so it's just, it's something you don't want to eat. But we're working with a, a, a co-op that actually has a special process to clean the skins very, very well. So our beans actually look like almonds. They're so clean. Okay. And so that's what allows us to use the skin of the cacao bean in our chocolate. Because normally... Um, you can't really do that unless it's um, right. you know fermented and, and cleaned and everything in a very controlled way. Is it Ecuadorian? Beans? Yeah, our our beans are coming from both Ecuador and Peru. And have you been out there? Have you been to the farms? I haven't personally. My partner has, but I haven't. I I'm kind of more the person here at, at the factory and um, running the whole show. I'm I'm in operations day after day after day. So I don't, I don't really have time, unfortunately, to you know travel and see all the farm, all the cacao farmers. Mm -hmm. I hope to do that in the future, though. But yeah. uh, we, we just have to get to a point in our growth as a business to where I can actually afford to do that. Yeah. How many um, sacred hearts are there? How many different flavors? Currently, we have fifteen different wow. flavors. Wow! Wow! I didn't realize it was yeah. that many. Wow! Yeah, um, we have. And we make different kind of classes of chocolate. Um, you know, we have nutraceutical chocolate. We have herbal chocolate. We have just kind of traditional chocolate. We have superfood chocolate. So we have different types of chocolate, you know. And we're always, um, we're always working on something new. The latest chocolate that we're about to come out with will be um, what's called a CBD chocolate. So it's a nutraceutical chocolate. And it will have in it cannabidiol from the hemp plant. Um, and cannabidiol is, um, um, it's basically a neuroprotective substance that helps like prevent, um, any nervous system disorders like seizures, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, it just basically protects the nervous system. Uh -huh. And it's also an antioxidant. So we're coming out with a CBD chocolate really yeah. soon. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. Um, a, a pretty recent chocolate we came out also um, what was called um, Longevity Bliss, and that's special in that it has um, what's called xanthohumol in it, um, or hops, and, and, and that xanthohumol comes from um, the hops plant. So um, xanthohumol is a master antioxidant molecule, and normally the human body doesn't absorb it, but we're working with a scientist who's developed a way to get that xanthohumol right. into the cells. Yeah, it, actually, it needs a special lipid delivery mechanism. Like if you just have, you know, there are trace amounts of xanthohumol, say, in like beer, since a lot of beer has hops in it, but the body doesn't absorb it in that uh -huh. form. 
And so we've got it in a way that it actually is absorbable. And so we're putting 15 milligrams of absorbable xanthohumol in each of our Longevity Bliss chocolate bars. Yeah, um, yeah and so that's, that's really exciting. Um, and and it just that bar actually just in the United States we have this best of raw contest and um, and we've won that contest a couple for a few years and but last year we just won it for our longevity bliss chocolate bar mm -hmm. which is the one that I'm talking about the one with xanthohumol in it and xanthohumol you know it, it what it does actually besides being a master antioxidant molecule it um, is a, it basically uh, protects the cell's metabolism so. If the cell is becoming weak or, or damaged or um, is just having problems, xanthohumol will protect the cell and it'll, it'll help the cell's metabolism. The cell it will help the cell to metabolize all the nutrients properly. Mm -hmm. That's the main function of xanthohumol. The other thing it does is it um, it it's what's called an aromatase inhibitor. What that means is that it 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 protects your hormones in your body. Sometimes as we age, especially the hormones will convert into different types of hormones in your body that aren't desirable. And so xanthohumol acts as kind of a protectant uh, on that level. And then depending on your, you know, your genetic makeup, your physiology, your metabolism, xanthohumol may have a mood elevating effect as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's those are kind of some of the benefits of xanthohumol besides being a master antioxidant molecule, and uh, but you know it's, I think it has the potential to be something as big as resveratrol someday as far as you know that sort of thing is concerned. We have um, you know other bars that are uh, have a lot of herbs in. We have one called the Amazonian, which has about twenty plus Amazonian herbs yeah, in it. That's my favorite. Have, oh, you got that one. Okay. Yeah, a lot of people love that one. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's very bitter. Different. It's not one for people that haven't had it before because it's so bitter, but it's my favorite. <laughs> Somebody from Australia just ordered 150 bars from us. Wow. Like one bar the other wow. day. Yeah. And they do that frequently. They do that like every few months. Wow. <laughs> they must eat one a yeah. day. They must eat like three a day or something. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so we have that bar. We have the amino mushroom, which has 10 different medicinal mushrooms in it. Um, then we've got other bars that are kind of more superfood bars. We've got a bar with goji berries in it. Um, we've got a bar uh, with um, curry in it, and you know ginger and things like this. You know, we, then we have just bars that are just traditional chocolate that just tastes great. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have a bar. One of our other recent bars is um, has actually coffee in it, and it has green coffee bean extract in it with a high chlorogenic acid. Which is again great for metabolism. Um, so we we do we do kind of these specialty chocolates, and we always use healthy sweeteners in all our chocolates. So we use either um, the primary sweetener we like to use is maple uh, for a lot of different reasons, um, but we also use coconut palm in one of our recipes, and we also use uh, inulin in another recipe, and we also use uh, erythritol in another recipe. Uh -huh. um, and we're always looking to. You know, we were experimenting with other other um, sweeteners all the time, like stevia and uh, monk fruit and things like this. But um, those others that I just mentioned, the ones we're currently using. Uh -huh. But yeah, we we always use these healthy sweeteners because basically a sweetener is like kind of a necessary evil with chocolate because usually most people won't eat 100% yeah. cacao chocolate bar. It's just 
it's actually just too bitter for that. Yeah, and yeah. And so basically you need to eat a bar that's like as high as cacao content as possible that you can still palate. Um, and then, you know, whatever sweetener you are using, just make sure it's as healthy sweetener as, as you can, you know, get a hold of basically. So that's that's what we do. So the maple and the coconut, they're not raw, are they? No. No, the, the coconut bond, well, you know, people claim these things, but I, you know, I don't know if they are raw or not, because um, I haven't seen the facilities to see if they actually are raw or not. It's not really my concern. I mean, I don't really have a lot of data showing that a raw sweetener is any healthier than a, than a cooked sweetener. Mm -hmm. um, maybe there are some enzymes, I suppose, that are in these sweeteners that, mm -hmm. that could be broken down by heat, but... I haven't seen any scientific papers on it or anything. So it's just, um, you know, you could just kind of make the general assumption that something raw is better than something cooked. But sometimes it's not the case. And I'll give you an example. Um, in Maple, uh, in Maple, the, and we, we published this scientific pro, uh, paper um, on our website. It came out a couple of years ago. It came out of the University of Rhode Island here in the United States. And um, they had studied maple pretty in depth scientifically as far as like what compounds are in there and so on, you know, and kind of the health benefits of, of maple, just kind of curious about the health benefits. Well, one of the compounds that are in there, um, which they've never found anywhere in nature, um, and it's a result of actually heating the maple. You don't get this compound if you just get like maple, maple water out of the trunk of the tree. Uh -huh. You know, it's, it's the, the maple... Sugar comes originally from a small amount of water that drips from the tree during a two-week window um, during the year, right? Just right at the right time, assuming that the weather's just right and everything like this. So that's one of the reasons why maple is so expensive is because, you know, it's a wild crop and it's a very, very short window of opportunity where you can actually harvest the maple water. Okay. And you get very little... You get very little maple water, and in that water is only maybe one percent sugar. Wow. So it's like wow. you've got, and on top of that, um, you know, you've got to like kind of go through the forest and tap all these trees and collect it all, and you know, it's all, it's very labor intensive actually. Uh -huh. uh, but anyway, to get back to the point, uh, maple has something in it called cubicol, and what they've um, found out is cubicol helps uh, mitigate type two diabetes. Um, which was interesting um, finding. Um, so again, that's something that, you know. So basically, it's hard to say. I mean, are there some enzymes floating around that water that that probably were they destroyed through the heating process? Probably. Um, but then you got this other thing that's cubicle yeah, that you wouldn't yeah. have. Is it yeah, that helps? Is it Canadian? Is it Canadian? Is it Canadian? Your maple. It cut, our, our maple comes from an aggregator who gets maple from the entire northeast U.S. and from Canada uh -huh. both. Uh -huh. it's, it's, they're a huge aggregator, uh -huh. actually. Um, because we, we actually use a lot of maple sugar. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, well, I, don't think, I don't think just like one maple farm could like supply this <laughs> aggregator. Um, but anyway, the other, the other interesting finding about maple that uh, people don't know is this came out of the University of Tokyo. And this was, again, recent, like the last year or two. And, um, and basically, they, for whatever reason, they had decided to test the effects of different sweeteners on lab rats. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to study the livers 
of these rats and how the sweeteners were affecting the livers. So I don't know how many sweeteners they tested, probably 10 or 20 different sweeteners, but one of them happened to be maple. Yeah. And they were studying like all the liver scores, like so they were uh -huh. feeding these rats all these sweeteners and then they were analyzing the livers and how the livers were doing. And for whatever reason, maple was the only sweetener out of all of them tested that actually improved the scores of the rats' wow. livers. Wow, interesting. Yeah. Total surprise finding. Like right. all the other sweeteners were basically were basically stressing out the livers yeah. of the rats. Right. But the maple wasn't. The maple was actually making the rats liver like happy, so to speak. Mm. So that was kind of an interesting finding. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it I don't know if it applies to humans since we're not rats, but it was kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, we published <laughs> that on, we published that on our website as well. Uh -huh. So, um, you know, maple is obviously very, uh, you know, it's an eco crop. It's, it's highly mineralized. It actually turns out to be, for a sweetener, pretty high in quercetin, which is antioxidant, um, and epicatechin both. And epicatechin is the antioxidant that's super high in cacao. So as far as antioxidants, as far as sweeteners go, uh, it, relatively speaking, maple is pretty high in both quercetin and epicatechin, which is kind of interesting. Right. So, uh, but again, it's best, you know, in general, sweeteners, including maple and all these, um, are, are best to keep it to a minimum. The other thing that's interesting about, about maple, which I haven't really mentioned, is that out of all these, even coconut palm or any of these other sweeteners, they're pretty high in what's called free fructose, and, uh, and maple's the opposite. Maple's actually quite low in free fructose. It's actually high in sucrose. So free fructose has been linked to a lot of obesity issues as well as type 2 diabetes. But, um, but it turns out that, that maple is pretty low in it, relatively speaking. It's actually high in sucrose and it's, it's relatively low in fructose. So that's, that's kind of interesting too. I've um, only ever had the pleasure of having one um, of the Ormus uh, chocolates, but Ormus is something that people are always really interested in. Could you explain to us a bit about Ormus and how you get it into a chocolate bar? Yeah, well, getting into a chocolate bar is kind of tricky, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really go into that in detail, but um, yeah, we are working with a scientist um, where we are producing uh, pure gold Ormus right from, actually, of all things, um, like Canadian gold maple leaf coins. Uh -huh. So maple's uh, there again, once again, in this case, <laughs> off the face of our gold coins. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, um, yeah, we have we have a bar called, our, it's our, our, our Gold Ormus bar, uh, very popular. Um, it has one milligram of pure Gold Ormus in it. And what Gold Ormus is, is basically, uh, it's, it is gold, but it's gold in a different state. It's not in a metallic state. It's kind of more in, in like a salt or ceramic state. And in this state, it's um, the actual electron configuration of the, of the gold atoms are in a different configuration. And that's why it has different physical properties. One of which is that it's a superconductor. So gold ormus in its ormus state is um, actually a superconductor. And you know, one theory is that the entire human nervous system or nervous system probably of any animal has a lot of superconductive properties uh, associated with it. And a lot of, uh, some people theorize that, that the Ormus elements, um, especially the Ormus platinum group elements, which when you analyze these substances using 
normal like analytical chemical methods, they show up differently. They don't show up as gold. So if you like take Ormus gold to some lab and have them analyze it, they'll say, oh, it's like, um, you know, carbon and silicon and, you know, something else. You know, they won't say it's gold. And then, if, but if you take these things to a nuclear lab yeah. and you have them do a nuclear analysis on it, <laughs> they'll say, no, it's gold. And, and so that's what actually this guy, David Hudson, who I've, who I've met actually and, and spoken to before, um, he kind of discovered this. He, he was a, a farmer here in, in the United States and he was um, a long time ago um, collected. He had some, some abandoned gold mines. He would take the tailings from these mines and try and extract more gold from it. But in this process that he was doing, he was getting um, a lot of... Um, um, kind of uh, gunky material show, show up in his process and he couldn't figure out what it was so that's when he started taking it to labs to figure out what it was every lab he took it to gave him a different answer which was really weird and so then he finally after lots of years and research and money took it to nuclear labs and they said no actually what you have here is the platinum group elements and he's like scratching his head really? Because they didn't look like platinum group elements. Like I said, they looked like they didn't. They weren't metallic. They were these like kind of ceramic salt-like materials, and so uh, and they had different properties besides superconductive stuff. They were showing weird properties like changes in weight. Like all of a sudden they'd be in this dimension and they would and they'd come back. So all these weird properties with these elements. And basically, he finally made the link that a lot of the ancient civilizations like the Egyptians and all these other civilizations that go way, way back that maybe maybe were in some ways more advanced than our own civilization, um, he, he made the connection that they had a lot of um, information about these elements. And they actually used them more for, not for industry or technology, but for um, like spiritual ascension or like expanding consciousness and so he made the connection that these elements were you know in the pyramids these elements were in the ark of the covenant you know these elements were had all these different sort of spiritual mystical properties and they were always present you know in the priestly realms of uh, these ancient civilizations and so that's what inspired me and Dave Wolf to get into the manufacture of, of these elements and, and and getting them into a form where you know we can ingest them. Um, you know, I know David also sells it as a as like a water tincture that you can just put on topically as well as ingest. And the purpose behind it all is just to elevate somebody's consciousness, even if it's a subtle elevation maybe it just makes you feel in a better mood or more in the present moment and that's our that's my personal experience using gold armus and and taking the that particular truffle bar is that kind of just puts me kind of in a great state to do meditation mm -hmm. and that sort of thing so that's the real purpose and we've got a lot of information on our website if you go to sacredtruffle.com mm -hmm. and and dig into the gold armus section um, you know, you can you can read up a lot, um, and then that there are links to other sites which go even even deeper. I mean, it's it's a pretty deep rabbit hole actually. Once you <laughs> once, once you it really is. Once you get into the subject, you're like, oh boy, what's, what is this all about? But yeah, there's there's a there's a lot of information, and you know, our modern um, you know 
labs here and big corporations know about this stuff. I mean, you know, the, the like Lawrence Livermore lab, they know about all the Ormus materials. I mean, this is doc document science. This isn't just woo-woo stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've all documented, they've all documented, they, they've, they've proven it in, in, you know, high energy particle physics labs that these elements exist in these states. Uh -huh. um, and then the U.S. government actually declared these as strategic materials, like okay. for, for defense purposes. So when David Hudson was trying to patent these materials, he couldn't. Wow. Because the, part, the Department of Defense in the United States said, you're not allowed to patent these materials because these are considered strategic materials and therefore nobody can patent them. Wow. Yeah, so you, you, you so he, he actually tried to patent them at one point in I think the late nineties and he was refused. And so um, so yeah, so you know, so so it's not just like I said, it's not esoteric, it's it's esoteric in a certain sense, but in reality, um, you know, modern science knows about the the governments of you know, at least the United States government knows about it. Um, big corporations like General Electric, they, you know, th their whole scientific team, mm -hmm. they know all about the Hormus elements, and there are industrial applications for sure, mm -hmm. you know. So, um, and I don't know if they're being researched right now. I don't, I don't follow the, the industrial side of it. Um, I'm kind of more into the spiritual, esoteric side of it. Mm -hmm. So, which is your personal favorite of the chocolates? Uh, right now, my favorite is the Longevity Bliss. Mm -hmm. I think. I just love the fact that xanthohumol is probably one of the most cutting-edge nutraceutical molecules available in the marketplace right now from just my research. And um, it turns out I just love the flavor. There was a, just an amazing alchemy that took place between xanthohumol and cacao that created a flavor profile that was just unbelievable. So I, I just love the flavor of that chocolate. How much chocolate do you eat a day, usually? Um, I usually eat about one to two ounces a day, five days a week, and uh -huh. I, I always take the weekends off. Uh-huh. So what would you say to, there's quite a vocal um, uh, band of people within raw foods who are quite anti-chocolate. What, what would you say to them? You know, I, I, I really don't have any stance on that. I, I say that, you know, there's an old adage that goes, uh, one man's meat is another man's poison. And, you know, I think that still holds true today as it did in any time in the past. I mean, you know, I mean, I know people who are allergic to cucumbers, for uh -huh. example. Yeah, I mean, it's just like people are going to be allergic to a lot of different things. Uh -huh. uh, or, or maybe not officially allergic, but uh, have some sort of adverse reaction in their body, like it just doesn't agree with them for whatever reason. So, you know, I'm not here to tell them otherwise, you know, I mean, if something doesn't agree with you, whether it's cacao, chocolate, or a cup of coffee, or whatever it is, by all means, don't ingest it. That's my advice, you know. Um, from a scientific standpoint, uh, there isn't a lot of science out there saying that cacao is harmful or dangerous to humans. But there is a lot of science out there saying that cacao is beneficial to humans. Uh -huh. And, you know, in, in years past when people would actually, like, really, you know, get in my face about this, I would say, look, just show me the scientific papers. Like, show me one paper out there that proves that cacao is poisonous to humans. Uh -huh. And all these people have never been able to produce <laughs> even one scientific paper. So, you know, I, I'm not, I don't give it a lot of, a lot of weight. You know, 
you know, with these state, I don't think these statements that cacao is poisonous to humans a lot of weight personally. Um, but again, like I said, I'm not going to sit here and say that you know cacao is bad for a certain person because it is. I mean, for certain people out there, it is bad. They shouldn't eat it because it makes them feel terrible, or it makes them not be able to go to sleep, or it makes them crazy in some way, or they feel you know you know whatever they feel physically ill or whatever the case may be. And so uh, there's no way you know I'm going to argue against that. Uh-huh. I always say with the superfoods, it's like the superfoods are the big personalities of the plant world. And when you have a big personality, lots of people are really attracted to them and really think they're amazing. And then there's always other people that really hate them. So take someone like Beyonce. There's millions of people that adore Beyonce and think she's the best thing ever. And there's loads of people that, you know, wouldn't give her the time of day. So it's that kind of effect, isn't it? When you've got something that's powerful like that. A lot of people are going to love it, and then there's always going to be some people that don't get on with it as well. Yeah, I mean, that's that's quite true. I mean, you don't usually find too many people out there arguing against lettuce. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> I hear you. You know, it's, you know, it's true. I mean, you know, cacao has a lot of energy behind it. Yeah. I mean, it's powerful food. It's probably one of the most complex plant chemistries on the entire face of the planet. Uh-huh. There are hundreds of compounds in it that are known, but then there are hundreds that aren't known, or they're not identified, or not cataloged. So, I mean, it's got, it's, you know, super dense, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's packing a punch, for sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, definitely, if you eat it, it's a, it's a functional food, and so if you eat it, it's powerful, it's going to have an effect on your body. Whether that's an effect you want or not, that's your decision to make. Yeah. I really feel with chocolate, the more I work with it, the less I, I, the more humbled by it I feel. Do you know what I mean? It's like the more I know about it, the more I feel like I don't know. (laughs) Would you say the same thing? It just keeps revealing. It keeps revealing more and more. And it's so sensitive, isn't it? It's so sensitive to heat and temperature and the time that you grind it for, and it's just like the climate that you're in. You know, chocolate is is um, totally alchemical. I mean, like I said, we were just mentioning how complex it is. And really, it, it you know, after working with it as a, as, a, as a medium, like an artist would work with some sort of medium. I mean, I've been working with it now for many years. Um, it always still surprises me at different times. Like, for instance, just this whole thing with the xanthohumol, I couldn't have guessed that. Uh-huh. You know, because the xanthohumol by itself doesn't taste that great. But for whatever reason, combined with the cacao, it, it's amazing. So, you know, there are always these mystical combinations that happen that you would never be able to predict or guess. Um, the the Amazonian that I mean that whole thing since it's so complex there's probably thirty plus ingredients in that bar, um, and it takes it takes weeks to make that bar, um, you know that thing that whole thing goes through so many different transformations until from the beginning to the end it's unbelievable yeah. and that and that that <laughs> that whole thing you know I there. I don't even think like Mars Corporation can reverse engineer that thing. Because, like I said, it's it's so complex, and there's so many different processes that happen to make the Amazonian. It's it's crazy. 
but it was just something that we stumbled upon. So, um, so yeah, you know, there's there's definitely a lot of creativity um, available. Um, you know, it's really infinite, it's endless with, with chocolate. You can you can just keep going with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm always dreaming up of new recipes. I don't have the time to bring them all to market, but um, I've got them floating around in my head for sure. And uh, it's fun. I like it. Like I said, the, the next one that we are definitely coming to market with is the CBD chocolate. And there's there's just such a demand out there these days for, for that. And we're really excited to bring it in the form of chocolate. Um, so that that's exciting. And then uh, we will be coming out with more functional chocolates. Like I said, it's kind of our focus is the nutraceutical chocolate. Um, and then... Um, you know, and then also we do nut butters. I don't even, I don't know if I even mentioned nut butters, but nice. we do stone. Yeah, we do stone ground coconut butter. We do stone ground oh. cashew butter. Um, those are our two main butters we do. Um, we do do private labels, so we manufacture chocolate and nut butters mm -hmm. for other um, other companies. Yeah. So we we manufacture peeling nut butter for another company, uh -huh. uh, and we we manufacture like chocolate brittle brittle products and things like this for other companies. So we do do a lot of private label manufacturing actually for other other raw companies out there. Amazing. Um, you mentioned the the mystical aspect of it, and then you were talking about the Amazonian and how complex the recipe is. Do you feel like uh, you're guided? Do you feel like the cacao gods are, uh, <laughs> are showing you certain things? It's funny, you know. I was just I was actually just praying to the maple god this morning. <laughs> uh, seriously, because the maple god doesn't get enough mention, but the maple god is like. Uh, I'll tell you, it's a full-on amazing, powerful, <laughs> powerful God. But um, yeah, you know, I think I think um, I, I think I must have been like an alchemist in a past life or something like that um, because it, this stuff, for whatever reason, just comes naturally to me. Um, I uh, I do I probably am got you know there's probably different levels of my soul that are, that are communicating with these different uh, entities out there, the cacao gods, the maple gods, the coconut gods, I mean, all these entities. I think I, I, I probably am in some wild way being guided by these entities. Um, not consciously, but I think maybe it's just something that is innately within me that maybe, uh, you know, I mean, I definitely, believe me, I, don't, don't, don't get me wrong here. I, we've got, I mean, if you walked into my office right here, it's like a temple in here. But I've got so many freaking, you know, <laughs> posters of beings and deities and just, you know, everything here. It's out of control. And, you know, I've got that up, you know, over the chocolate and all kinds of stuff. But, um, but I, so I definitely, you know, honor and respect, you know, all the, all the ascended masters, the deities, the alchemists of, of a long time ago, um, you know, God, I mean, it's all, it's all one big fabric of existence to me. And, and so I know that it's all, you know, we're all connected and um, we're all in this giant sort of game together or play or reality together. And we're all here to learn from each other and communicate and help each other. And so I just sort of, I'm always open to that and always kind of, you know, Pay my my due respects to all of all of that. Amazing, wonderful. Thank you so much for your time, Steve. It's been really generous of you to share all that amazing information. <laughs>
You're so welcome, Kate. Thank you so much for for um, you know interviewing me. I always love to you know share you know my information from my heart, and I'm really happy to be of service to the Rock Account community, and I feel honored and blessed. And it's been definitely a fun, fun uh, ride. And um, yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs>